Welcome to the Endless Wealth Podcast. I'm a mama of two little ones, owner of a multi seven-figure real estate portfolio, and I'm your host, Sarah Miskelly. My mission is to show ambitious, high-performing women in business how they can stop chasing money at work and start making passive cash flow and build wealth from real estate investing. Just be ready because with the right ideas and advice me and my phenomenal guests will share in each episode, you will see things differently than you ever thought possible. All right, let's get into this week's episode. I am so happy to have you on today. I've been thinking about having you as a guest for a while, watching your massive accomplishments, which we were just chit-chatting about before I hit record. Uh, So Sandia Shashadri uh, worked in corporate and saw firsthand how people dedicated so much to themselves to work while simultaneously missing out on crucial opportunities to protect and grow their wealth. That's why she loves spreading knowledge about the power of passive investments in multi family real estate. You get the leverage and her knowledge and experience in management, versatility, and metrics-focused investment decisions. So you too can do what it takes to take control of your financial future and build a legacy for your family. So Sindaya, I'm so excited to have you today because you have done so much in a short period of time and you're really at the forefront right now, especially as a woman uh, in the syndication space. I've seen you all over. So I'm very grateful to have you on today. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's such an honor to be here and uh, I am thrilled to add value to you and your audience in any way I can. Fantastic. So first, let's hear a little bit more about you. Now, I know you have the engineering background, you've invested in stocks, and now you're in multifamily, which I actually love that kind of tiered process. And I hear it a lot, meaning I think multifamily sounds like it's a pretty good place to be with all these high level people in it. Yeah. uh, Real estate is a great way for you to get involved because 90% of millionaires do so through real estate but I did not grow up with a handy person background. So that dreaded call of, you know, having to fix a leaky toilet on Thanksgiving day just wasn't appealing. So I wanted to do real estate without the hassles and liabilities associated with being a landlord, which is signing loans, being responsible for all of the hassles. So I started out investing passively by putting my money into someone else's deal. They were buying a really large building, you know, over $10 million worth, And I started by investing passively in a deal and understanding what the syndication is all about. How can I, being an ordinary everyday person, maybe I could afford to buy that single family down the street from me. How could I own a piece of a really large building? That was a puzzle to me. I did not know that everyday people could go and own a piece of a large building. So I learned what is a syndication by starting out investing passively. And I used the analogy of first being a passenger in a plane Uh, before trying to be a pilot of a plane. So I was a passenger. Somebody else was the pilot steering the show, you know, aircraft to the right location for which I got a ticket. And then as I learned the ropes as a passive investor, I slowly moved on to the active side, which is being a co-pilot and then a pilot. Perfect. And it is nice to see that progression, right? And there are a lot of people in this space who kind of start out, you know, dipping their toes. And that's what I say to people. I'm like, look, if this is all new to you, you can start with a smaller amount, just invest the minimum of what the deal is while also Mm -hmm. educating yourself on the process. And it sounds like that's where you started. And from there, tell us a little bit more about where you are now, because I think you have a pretty sizable portfolio. I have about $140 million worth of uh, properties on a general partner level, which is the analogy I use like a pilot. But I'm also invested in over 3,000 doors as a limited partner, which is a passenger or a passive investor in a deal. And so I do both because that's what keeps balance, because that's so important. 
to have time with family, to go out on vacations, et cetera, and not have a dozen or 15, 20 deals to manage without actually scaling to a big company, which is what a lot of people do, but then it becomes a full-time job. Like you talk to the best of the best in this industry, they're putting in, you know, over 12 hour days. And I did not want to do that. I wanted to have a reasonable balance where I was on the active side as well as the passive side. So I still do both. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because I find as well, like I'm, I'm a mom, I have two little kids. And the reality is like, I'm not trying to go run around and manage an Airbnb. And I was a realtor for years and that was like a 24 seven job. You always had to be available to clients. So it mm-hmm. seems like you've really found a way to, to be profitable and, you know, enjoy the benefits of real estate investing, but also having some time for your family. Cause I know you have a family as well. And what kind of opportunities have you been able to take advantage by investing in real estate? Like how is your life changed? change from the days of being an engineer, for example, to now as a real estate investor? So I love the corporate rat race, as I call it, because at that time, you know, I had just graduated from college. I was eager to use all my knowledge. I love to travel and my company gave me numerous opportunities, but my priorities shifted, you know, after a while and, you know, I started having children, et cetera. So I didn't want to miss out on all some major milestones, et cetera, with my children. And while I was in corporate, my company was kind enough to pay for me to get an MBA. So that's where I got all my investment knowledge. I started running business units and I invested quite a bit in the stock market through investor clubs. So with that knowledge, I realized that very soon my investment income, and actually, if you look at your own portfolio, you'll realize that probably your primary home or your investments, your 401ks, all of that after about a decade or so actually are bigger than the actual salary you're making in a job. And so usually it's stock options, um, 401k, all of that. So once I realized that, I knew that I could make enough money just from my stock investments, et cetera. I didn't need the salary of a W-2. It also got to be very long hours. It was kind of demanding. And although I loved it, I missed out on a lot of things with my family and I just couldn't break free from that cycle of the long hours. So it was time to make that transition. So I went full-time into the stock market. And then I found real estate because I wanted to have a piece of real estate always. It's a great way to invest in an actual building rather than a REIT, which is a stock, but I didn't want the hassles of the landlord. So that's why syndications are great because you have the economies of scale by buying large apartment buildings. Because in a single family rental, when one tenant doesn't pay, your income goes from, you know, 100 to 0%, right? Versus in a large apartment building of over 100 doors, if a few tenants don't pay, you've already got that factored into the underwriting. So I saw all the benefits and the less, I guess, risk on, you know, tenants paying versus not, especially through COVID and things like that. So apartment investing has been a great avenue for me because it gives me the intellectual stimulus. Being an engineer, I love underwriting, spreadsheet, et cetera. But it also gives me the balance because I get to decide just how busy I want to be. So maybe I don't want to do a deal at all. The last six months of 2023, I haven't had a single deal. So I've been focused on just managing my existing deals. So that's a little less hectic than if I was also in the middle of an acquisition. So I really like real estate in that sense. And if you pick it in the right markets, it's it's hard to beat. If you look at it, as especially a long-term investment, you know, we always say, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. So five years from today, 10 years from today, I've lived in the Dallas Fort Worth area for 33 years, and this is my primary market. All my deals are within a 30 minute drive of my house. So if you think about it, five, 10 years from today, am I better off investing in a building in Dallas, at least a portion of my portfolio, 
versus leaving it all in the stock market in a 401k plan that was employer sponsored that has a very limited selection of funds. And so that's the choice I made. I rolled over a lot of my 401k funds into IRAs, self-directed IRAs or solo 401k that allow me to invest passively in real estate. And then as I learned the ropes, I started actively buying them too. So that's where I am doing a little bit of both. Wow. You just made so many good points. <laughs> I, I wanted to, you know, kind of unpack them a little bit because a main thing that I really hear and I feel the same is there's the control and the freedom that mm-hmm. real estate in general, but especially the multifamily state space mm-hmm. really, really gives us. And I know for myself as well as a young mom, one of my main things was I did not want to ever have the regret of not spending time with my kids. And what's really great about this is you can probably, you know, work from home. I'm, I'm actually moving to Costa Rica. I'm going to be working from there. And you're able to, I can walk from my office and go see my daughter playing. You know what I mean? There's like this balance that we're both hardworking and you've done so much. You're just able to kind of create a life that you've designed, which is fantastic. And utilizing some of the investment knowledge and vehicles like your your um, job and getting that um, 401k and stuff rolled into these assets. I think that's great for people to know because not everybody realizes you can yeah. actually do that, right? Leverage that amazing career that you've had and, and bring that money into your control and invest it into multifamily. So that is Uh, just a really, really great point to bring up for people. And now that you've moved on to the active side, I do have to ask, what have been some of the interesting events that have happened now that you're in the world of things, managing properties? Have you had any challenges or interesting stories um, that have happened in in the multifamily space as as an active asset manager? A lot of scary things have happened. And so you've just got to keep the faith and keep persisting. But one example is that in the last 24 years or so, this has never happened before, but Atmos Energy decided to change the gas lines at the street level for one of our properties. And what that ended up doing is that when before they can turn it back on for you, you've got to pressure test your buildings. And not is not just our apartment complex, but also every single family home surrounding us, everything failed the pressure test. What this means is gas cannot be turned back on until you pass that. And so to pass the pressure test when you have over 116 buildings in there, I mean, units in there, is every unit you need two plumbers, one did like turn the valve on, check the pressure, adjust it, and then retry, and then keep going from one to the other. So you're employing at least two plumbers at a time to go unit to unit to unit across 116 units. You're paying for a lot of plumbers to go around the clock because sometimes they may not be able to fix it. It takes them longer. It's not just let me check, flip a switch and keep going. It's not that fast. So that was a problem. And then when your hot water has a is through a boiler that's not working because your gas line is not turned on, the city inspector, city council, they call you and they say, well, if you don't have hot water turned on by tomorrow, guess what? You're going to have to, we're going to pull your CFO, which is your certificate of occupancy. You're going to have to pay for all your residents to go stay in a hotel until you can fix it. So imagine 116 residents going off to stay in a hotel and I have to pay for those expenses indefinitely till I can get it turned back on. So that's when you're like, okay, call every plumber I know, come here, please fix it. I need to at least get the hot water turned on right away. And then we had slowly everything else working. Luckily, this happened during a season when the weather was cooperating. So it was not during the height of summer or the cold weather of winter. So we had a little bit of grace period. We went out, we got some pizzas for the residents. We apologized to them. They saw that we were working on it. And so they were also very reasonable. But you just never know what could happen. And the fact that I was in person 
and boots on the ground local i could get there in 30 minutes really helped because my property manager was not authorized to go and buy on her credit card over two thousand dollars worth of pizza to feed everybody right so i was just able to rush there uh, order the pizza and get it all delivered and you know that definitely calmed down the residents and then we got them some gift cards for them to buy refrigerated foods because the stove was also gas so they could use a microwave and a refrigerator and hot water was turned on so we were able to last through that weekend. And then by day three, day four, we had everything kind of turned back on. But imagine even for three days having to pay for 116 residents to stay in a hotel. You know, you're going to go bankrupt pretty quickly with that. So, yeah, strange things can happen. Yeah, that is crazy. And as well, just goes to show when people are investing passively, they, this is real stuff happening. This is real stuff yeah. that the passive investor does not have to deal with. And Correct. it's on a larger scale. And what I really hear in a story like that is someone like you, there's, there's a level of care and integrity that you have as an operator to ensure that the people in your building, like this isn't slum, slum landlords here. You're oh, ensuring no. that you're doing everything in your power to have them be comfortable, to have them be fed and taken care of. And I think that's really one of the wonderful things about multifamily is its impact investing. You as an operator are able to make a difference for communities um, and yep. really be there for them and make sure that people are cared for. So that is a wonderful story and, and a great ex- example of that. Um, and in terms of you know the role that you're taking on, you're very active in the asset, asset mm-hmm. management side of things. And with people that are kind of getting into uh, passive investing, they're not going to be managing it like you, but what are some ways that they can get started? What would be those first steps that they could take to start becoming a passive investor on a deal? I think with any investment vehicle, the first step is always education, but don't go endlessly. Like a year from today, you shouldn't be in the same spot. You should give yourself a deadline like 30, 60, 90 days and have targets for those days. In 30 days, I'm going to learn this. In the next 60 days, I'm going to learn this. And this is what I'm going to do to acquire that knowledge. These are all my questions. These are all my unknown terms. I'm going to seek these books or podcasts or speak to these people. And this is how I'm going to get my knowledge so that 60 days from today or 90 days from today, I have everything I need to make an informed decision. Right? Maybe I look at some example deals. Maybe I understand what are the risks and rewards of each deal. Maybe there's more risk, but more rewards with one versus the other. What is my risk tolerance? And for me, the way I got over the hump the first time was I invested with my retirement money that I was not planning on withdrawing or using or needing anytime in the near future. I could wait five to 10 years for me to get my principal back. It wasn't money I was going to do anything with in the near future. So then that sort of took some of the fear away. So if you've been working for a different employer in the past versus now, that 401k money can be rolled over into what's called a self-directed IRA or a solo 401k to invest. Another thing is a lot of employers like mine match your 401k contribution up to a certain percentage, like 2%, but maybe you're contributing 10%. So you could scale that back and instead put it into an IRA that allows you to invest in vehicles other than the stock market, such as real estate. But education is always the first step, but give yourself a deadline, otherwise you will drift. And you will be the same place a year later and wishing, oh, I wish I had taken advantage of this opportunity and this economy to get in on some deals when the pricing was good. 
That's fantastic. I love how you mentioned taking a risk, like getting into this is, is uncomfortable for people. It's new. It's an alternative asset, even though it's, it's a building, it's not what's traditionally available in mm-hmm. what your employer will give you or just a traditional model. Like you have to kind of look for these deals and, and you have to know the right people. That's one thing about this space. It's really connecting with the right people and finding them. But that advice you just gave about using maybe your retirement money that you don't need right now anyways, and taking the calculated risk to find the right people to invest with. And also knowing that you're not putting yourself in a detrimental, detrimental financial situation, which you wouldn't be anyways. This is a great, great asset class to invest in, but you're, you're, you can feel confident and comfortable with that decision and um, to make it essentially. So I think that's a really good piece of advice for people. And I agree, you know, you can only be in podcast university for so long. (laughs) Until you got to like do something about it, right? <laughs> yeah. Give yourself a deadline. Otherwise, we all tend to drift. It's like we fill the gap to do whatever we want. Like if I have to pack for a trip, I could spend all day packing for the trip. Or if I have to leave in an hour, I'll still manage to pack for the trip. It's sort of like that. So give yourself a deadline and say, but in 90 days from today, I'm going to make a decision. Yes or no for this and why? Because mm-hmm. I'm going to understand the risks. And I'm going to understand what I'm getting into. So network with people, uh, specifically go to events that help you, whether that's meetups, conferences, et cetera, meet people, know what are great locations. So I have a checklist that I follow before I make these investments. And one of the most important things is get to know who you're investing with. So this is not like you, you know, making a $25 purchase of Girl Scout cookies or Boy Scout popcorn. These tend to be large investments. In many cases, it's 50K minimum or 25K minimum. So give it the same level of, you know, thorough due diligence that you would when you're, you know, choosing that perfect dishwasher for your kitchen. You know, people sometimes spend more time researching a washing machine or a kitchen appliance than these types of investments. So the most important thing is who is in the team that's going to be controlling this asset after it closes. And the second most important thing is the location because real estate is still about location. So no matter what you do, if you invest in a piece of land or you know property out in New York or California, you're gonna be you know consumed by all of those rent control laws and eviction moratorium and whatever else might, uh, might happen there. So when it's residential buildings, real estate, commercial apartment buildings, pick landlord friendly states, pick sunbelt states, pick markets where there are tailwinds, meaning all the economic growth, population growth, diversity of jobs, all of that low crime, high income, right? It's very easy. Now you have the world at your fingertips with the internet. So put in the zip code or the address of a property and you can immediately pull up so much data about it. You can look at its reviews, et cetera. And you can look at especially the crime data. And that's very useful. Also, like my properties are all in Dallas. Dallas is a well-known, established market. So you just look at the economic growth in Dallas and you can pull up all of that information immediately. So you research the location as well as the team and then try to meet them in person if you can or get references from people who've done business with them. Just like when you're getting ready to hire a contractor. Let's say you're going to do this enormous 50K remodel of your kitchen. Surely you're not just going to trust a contractor you saw on the internet. You're going to probably go call a friend, call a neighbor who's used that contractor for the same thing. It's the same way. Find people who will, you know, give you a solid reference for this operator and make sure the location is good and then understand your risk tolerance and then actually take action. Don't be in analysis paralysis like many engineers are. Many, you know, many of us are afraid to take that leap. And like I said, I got over that hump by using retirement funds that I didn't need right away. 
But I also was taking a calculated risk. Like if my entire portfolio was, you know, let's say 100%, I'm only going to put 5 or 10% to start with and then see how it goes. So take a risk with a small percentage of your portfolio and know that real estate is illiquid. It's money you're not going to get in the near future. So don't plan on a lot of cash flow and getting your money back in two years to send a kid to college or something like that. Plan for that five, six, seven year kind of horizon and let it grow. Because again, like I said earlier, real estate, you buy real estate and wait. That's how it appreciates in value. Yeah, fantastic. And it's so clear the process that you're outlining for people because it's it's all, that's what I love about this space is this isn't, we're not solving some complex <laughs> Mm -hmm. engineering feet. You know what I mean? Like it's actually, this is housing. This is a very basic thing. And a lot of these deals, if you're with a good sponsorship team, like you mentioned, they'll have a track record of going, the terminology is full cycle, but it just means that people put their money in and they got their money out plus their returns for X number of deals. And once mm -hmm. you do that on a repeated process, it kind of does at some level become rinse and repeat. And that's the beautiful thing about it is if somebody wants to invest in this asset class, they know that what they're putting their money into can clearly be defined, right? Like they know it's going into improving the asset or, you know, to, um, you know, fixing up the landscaping. There's just so many things that are clearly defined, which I can really appreciate as well. So that mixed with the, the things that you've mentioned about preparing that together, it makes it a very cl a clear process, <laughs> but it's really the confidence, right? It's that confidence and taking that action step, which I know you really are like, hey, set that deadline. <laughs> Give yourself a deadline. Find those 30 minutes a day, right? Maybe it's during your walk, you're going to listen to a real estate podcast, but don't mindlessly listen. Instead, take steps, take some notes, take some action based on what you just heard in that podcast and put some notes for yourself. I'm going to go research these two people on the internet who I just heard on the podcast. And then I'm going to try to find common friends. Like LinkedIn is great because mm -hmm. usually it shows you how you're connected to some person. Like Sarah, for example, you're listening to her awesome podcast. Well, how are you connected to her? If she's a first connection, then pretty much every podcast guest she's going to have is going to be a second connection for you. So it's very easy to get connected through a professional network like LinkedIn and find out what people are saying about this person, how long they've been in business, they usually have a website, et cetera. And then you ask for references, just like you would a contractor before you invest any money with them and ask them for examples of past offerings, because that's an easy conversation to have without feeling any sales pitch or asking for you to invest money. And so it's very easy for examples of past deals to show you what kind of investments they make, what locations, what did they do? And is this a rinse and repeat or are they going into something brand new, like a brand new location or a different kind of asset class? Mm -hmm, definitely. I think case studies are very valuable these days. I see it not only in our space, but in different industries as well. And just seeing the realities of what the numbers look like from beginning to end. But then also some of the things they dealt with, like, for example, <laughs> what you just mm -hmm. talked about with the gas. So it's so critical. And for mm -hmm. you right now, what are you excited about moving forward in the multifamily investing space? What are you up to right now? What is what is 2023 looking like for you? So 2023 is still a little bit slow in terms of the rising interest rates because we had 10 interest rate hikes in a row. And I think it's going to go up again a couple of more times before the year is over. But 2024 looks very promising because, you know, it's an election year. There's a lot of deals on what we call floating rate loans that were obtained in 2021 that are sort of coming now to an end, if you will, of their um, duration term. 
before getting an extension. And right now, interest rates are high. So there's going to be some bargains, as I call them. There are already some bargain deals coming out, and the floodgates are going to open quite a bit in 2024. But the second half of 2023, I'm seeing a lot more deal flow now than the first quarter of 2023. And I'm very excited about some of my own deals that I'm hoping to sell and make a good return for investors, um, as well as the opportunities to close some really good ones before the end of this year. Fantastic. And if there was one piece of advice that you could give somebody who is interested in getting into investing in multifamily, what would it be? Know your risk tolerance. Mm. And that's different from somebody else's. So figure out your own risk tolerance, what you're willing to risk and know that it's illiquid, but then take action. Don't stay frozen. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your amazing knowledge of this industry and really for sharing it in a way that's very palpable for people to understand and to really see how they can they can become an investor and get into it. So if people wanted to invest with you, how would they get in touch with you? Well, obviously through Sarah, because she's your first connection, but you can find me on LinkedIn as well as my website, which is engineer-capital.com. And uh, that's my website. And if you like, you can come there to get a free checklist to vet a sponsorship team, meaning it gives you a list of questions that you can ask before you make an investment. Perfect, Sandaya. Thank you so much for coming on today. I know this was very, very valuable for people. So I really, really appreciate it. And I can't wait to see you in all your success for the rest of the year. Thank you very much, Sarah. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for tuning into the Endless Wealth Podcast. If you got value from this week's episode, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It truly means so much to me to get this information out to more trailblazing women like you. And don't forget, if you haven't secured one of the limited number of free digital tickets for the Passive Real Estate Wealth Virtual Summit happening on September 21st and 22nd, go to www.passiverealestatewealth.com to apply now and join me and 10 incredible female real estate investing experts for this exclusive online event where 250K plus female founders transition from being real estate newcomers to confidently managing a growing passive real estate portfolio. I can cannot wait to see you there.